athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. This is the Dopest Show on radio. It's Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. March Madness is in full effect. We got a really dope show for you today here on the program. With March Madness being in effect, we're going to talk to March Madness here on the program. I filled out my bracket, so we'll talk about the brackets and the matchups. The National Football League, you're looking at free agency. It's in full effect, so we're going to talk some National Football League free agency here on the program. For the Washington football team fans, right? Like, obviously, the Washington football team this week signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, the quarterback, a one-year deal, $10 million. I'm looking at, at Washington football team nation, and everybody seems to be um, excited about this because I think the Washington football team fans believe that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the starting quarterback. Uh, not only that, but I think they believe that Ryan Fitzpatrick is a starting quarterback. He is not a starting quarterback. He is the quintessential backup quarterback. In other words, your quarterback gets hurt, uh, not only in a game, but maybe for a, you know, your quarterback's going to be out two or three, maybe four weeks. Ryan Fitzpatrick is your guy. Anything beyond that, Forget about it. Like, he's not a starting quarterback. He has the attributes to be a starting quarterback, right? He can make the throws. I mean, you look at, I, I saw some number where, you know, his QBR uh, since 2015 is like one of the top five or something. Uh, that's great, right? But I don't believe that Fitzpatrick is a starting quarterback in the National Football League. So to me, the starting quarterback, right now for the Washington football team is Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen is your starting quarterback for the Washington football team. Now, if you need a backup quarterback, I mean, uh, you know, Heineke, Heineke's not ready right now. I mean, he's still got some learning to do, but I think he's going to come along and be a pretty good player uh, ultimately and can be and, and is going to be a good third or a good third string quarterback but I mean they they you know Alex Smith I mean what Alex Smith did and, and I'm a, of course I'm a huge Washington football team fan so I'm just using the Washington football team as an example like we talked extensively about Dak Prescott and the Cowboys and his contract and all of that last week so indulge me a little bit with respect 
to the Washington football team because there's been some other big free agent signings as well that we'll get to. But Alex Smith was great in terms of wins and losses. Listen, I'm all about, again, in professional sports, to me it's all about wins and losses. It's less about the numbers. And that was so true for Alex Smith last year because his numbers weren't great, but at the end of the day, the Washington football team would not have made the playoffs or might not have made the playoffs had it not been for Alex Smith. But you can just see, it's not about Alex Smith to me getting hurt or anything like that. And the way he and the team split, I mean, he had some hard feelings about it. I mean, at the end of the day, I think the Washington football team did the right thing. They Remember, he had signed a big contract. He gets hurt. They kept him around. They didn't cut him, kept him around. He stayed around. He came back. It was a great thing. This is business. This is not sentimental, right? He did what he needed to do, and the Washington football team moved on from him. They were very gracious about it, said, Alex is our guy. We're so appreciative of what he's done. He came back from this horrific injury and led us to the playoffs. Time to move on. If you watched any games that Alex Smith played in, um, you know that <laughs> it's time. It was time uh, to move on, and not only that, probably time uh, for him to retire from football. Uh, he's just, you know, he's just not mobile. He was already a guy that really was like a dink and dunk type of guy, and you add the injury to that. So, you know, my point is that the Washington Football Team moved on from him, but then you. You know, it's sort of precarious. You go out and get a Fitzpatrick, and then everybody thinks he's the starter. No, I think the Washington football team went out and got Fitzpatrick as a guy that's a backup, uh, perhaps if Allen's not ready, perhaps if he struggles a little bit. Because the only thing we really have to go off by Kyle Allen is the 2019 season he had. And by the way, the 2019 season he had, particularly for a first-year quarterback, was pretty good. So we'll ultimately see how things play out. So some March Madness today on the program, some National Football League today on the program. If you want to get to that, we certainly can. You're welcome to join us here on the program via Twitter, Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. You can hit me on my personal Twitter account, at Dware one at Dware one my personal Instagram account, at Ware Donald. Thank you to all of the outstanding affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. So many great affiliates around the country that um, are carrying the program that uh, we're super excited about. Um, even though the University of Virginia is in Charlottesville, we don't have a Charlottesville affiliate, but guess what? The capital city of Virginia is Richmond. We have an affiliate in Richmond. Big shots out to our affiliate in Richmond, ESPN Richmond, who carries the program. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM, channels 142 and 84, and those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. I think the ultimate Cinderella the ultimate Cinderella for this NCAA tournament, right? Uh, and really March Madness, not even for the NCAA tournament per se, 
because we're just getting into the tournament with it having really, it really started. I mean, it started, you know, Thursday, but really Friday when you talk about the, 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 the final teams, okay? Georgetown. Georgetown is the Cinderella right now. Like, Georgetown had a mediocre season, a mediocre regular season. They're playing in a very tough Big East. Uh, Patrick Ewing, if you didn't know, he's the head coach at Georgetown. And for Georgetown to ultimately win the Big East Tournament Championship, okay, um, I thought was, I mean, it's it, it's one of the, Biggest things I think that have that has happened in college basketball so far this year. Yeah, we know Georgetown back in the day, the back in the day Georgetown as more of a power, the John Thompson uh, days, even the John Thompson the third days when you go back to uh, when they had all those great players uh, going back to what, 2007, I think when they made the Elite Eight and just, you know, really – Really good Georgetown teams, but Georgetown had fallen on some hard times to the point that it had to go back. You know, JT the third or John Thompson the third ultimately fell on some hard times with the program. He was ultimately dismissed. Uh, they brought in, of course, one of the all-time great players in Georgetown history and really in college basketball history and really in pro basketball history in Patrick Ewing. Now, this is Patrick Ewing who never really got his opportunity to be a head coach in the NBA like he should have received that opportunity. You've got guys, and this is no knock on Steve Nash. Steve Nash never even was an assistant coach, came right out of whatever it is he was doing and became the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. That's no knock on Steve Nash at all. But I'm saying that Patrick Ewing, was an assistant coach, never got his opportunity in the NBA, said, okay, I'm going to go to college, come back to my alma mater. He's had some, some, some rough years. Last year was really probably of the four years. Last year was probably the worst year, right? Because he comes in, you can't do, you can't do any worse than the program has already done. You come in the first year, second year, not bad. Third year, not so good. This year, eh, was okay. They win the conference tournament. March Madness. It's what it's all about. And so I think that the Hoyas have an opportunity to make some noise. It begins on Saturday as they're going to take on Colorado, who's had a, 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 a good season, right? But I think that's a game that Georgetown can ultimately win. I'm looking at some of the games uh, for Saturday, right? Florida State and UNCG, I think that's a, you know, that's a 413. By the way, the Georgetown Colorado matchup, it's a 512 matchup with Georgetown being the 12 seed. And really a lot of times when you talk about the major conferences, the Big East is a major conference. Um you don't really see the major conferences getting 12 seeds. I mean, the highest they'll probably get is a 12 seed. I've re I don't recall and can't recall ever seeing the major conference get a 13 seed. Matter of fact, probably don't even reserve those seeds quite as kept uh, for any of the major conference teams. UNC, okay, so that's Georgetown and in, in, in Colorado. UNCG and Florida State. Florida State, boy, they've stumbled. They stumbled a little bit. I mean, going back a couple of weeks ago, losing to Carolina, ultimately avenging that loss in the ACC tournament by three points and then 
losing in the ACC Tournament Championship game to Georgia Tech, now has to play a very deceptively good UNCG team. Like, that's a game to really, really watch out for. Like, I've got Florida State in that game, but that, you know, I'm not sleeping on UNCG in the least. Like, UNCG has really come up, and, you know, UNCG in that Southern Conference, I mean, they've become a power in that Southern Conference. So a lot of other teams to get to with respect and games in the NCAA tournament. Scheduled to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row Jackson State head women's basketball coach Tamikia Reed. Also, North Carolina A&T head women's basketball coach Terrell Robinson going to join us. Both teams won respective conference tournament championships and more as From the Press Box to Press Row rolls on. BoxToRow.com is your source for conversations with and content on some of the biggest names in sports, HBCU sports, and entertainment. BoxToRow.com. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitney, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal. Up close and personal. With the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Here's the man to bring it to you, Donald Ware. Still to come here on from the press box to press row, Jackson State head women's basketball coach, Tamikia Reed, and North Carolina A&T head women's basketball coach, Terrell Robinson. Let's continue here on from the press box to press row. We're joined by a gentleman who is in his 11th season as the head football coach at Tennessee State. The Tigers coming off a big Win over Eastern Illinois. As a matter of fact, 21 to 20, they won it on an Antonio Zeta field goal, 35 yard field goal with no time on the clock. Antonio Zeta, the Boxtero co, or the Boxtero National Co-Player of the Week. Rod Reed, again, the head football coach at Tennessee State, joins us here on from the press box to press row. Coach Reed, welcome back to the program. Hey man, thanks for having me. Absolutely, always good to have you. Great win. You guys needed it. Your thoughts on your team's victory over EIU? Yeah, like you said, it was a much-needed win. You know, we come off two tough losses to uh, Austin P and uh, Jacksonville State. And, uh, you know, we need to get a good taste in our mouth. And our kids have been working hard all year. You know, with you know with limited uh, practice time. And, you know, we hadn't played 
in so long, you know, before our first two games. And, uh, you know, we came out a little sluggish. Uh, but, you know, I thought, you know, the second half of uh, Austin P we played really, really well. Uh, we just let them get out to that big start. And same with Jacksonville State, you know, fourth quarter with 21-16 with an opportunity there and just kind of ran out of gas. But we were able to put it together uh, against EIU, and uh, our guys played well on both sides of the ball. Uh, we were able to, you know, not give up 14 points in the first quarter for once and be able to play uh, good first half football. And then uh, we made some adjustments at halftime, and we were able to come out and move the ball and, uh, you know, get enough points to win. Yeah, the first two games, kind of take us through those. The first game was a loss to Austin P, and then the loss last week to, to Jacksonville State. Do, what did you see? Did you feel like even from those two games, this could be the breakthrough in terms of the game against EIU, the breakthrough you needed to finally get a victory? Yeah, you know, I thought after our, our, our first game against Austin P, we really let one get away. Uh, we gave up 21 first quarter points and uh, we weren't able to recover from it. I thought after the first quarter, uh, you know, we outplayed them, you know, the rest of the game. And, uh, you know, we just didn't uh, – we, we, you know, we just gave up so many points in that first quarter uh, that we couldn't overcome it. And it was a quagmire out there, and it was raining uh, it was extremely hard. I mean, it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a quagmire out there, like I said. And we didn't uh, – you know, we didn't respond well to it uh, in the first half. But in the second half, you know, we played really well. Uh, and, you know, we had an opportunity uh, with a couple minutes on the clock to go down there and score, and uh, we didn't get it done. And then Jacksonville State, you know, we had – I think they were ranked number 16 team in the country coming in here. And, uh, you know, we got down 14-0, and we were able to uh, come back and cut it to 21-16, you know, uh, early in the fourth quarter there. And, uh, you know, we, we just couldn't mount enough drives and get anything going, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter uh, to get us over the hump. And we allowed them to score again in the fourth quarter a couple of times. So, you know, you saw improvement, though, uh, from the first week to the second week. You know, we saw some good things. Isaiah Green starting to come around now, getting a little more comfortable uh, with the offense, which, you know, uh, going into our first game, he didn't play until, I think, the fourth quarter because he only had taken, you know, one day of reps because he still his eligibility is still in question. And uh, he only practiced one day that week. So, you know, we feel like once we get him going pretty good and, you know, got some things fixed on the offensive line, defensively, you know, we just got to stay sound and not give up big plays. We don't give up big plays and make teams earn it. Uh, I feel pretty good about it, man. Our kids been playing hard. You know, we hadn't, you know, laid down in any games. All of these games have been really, really competitive. So uh, hopefully we can take this into this week with Murray State and put together a good game plan and allow our kids to go out there and execute. Rod Reed is the head football coach at Tennessee State. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Uh, and, you know, Antonio Zeta, like, he should have been, at least in my opinion, first team all OVC back in 2019. Um, he kicks, a, what, a, 50, a 51-yarder for you? But take me through your de- the decision to allow him to kick a 62-yarder when you guys were down 17-15 to 15 with 4-10 remaining. He connects, and it puts you up one at that time. Well, I mean, you know, just watching them in the warm-ups, you know, there was a pretty uh, significant wind out there. And, uh, you know, I watched him kicking warm-ups, and he made a couple of those uh, actually a little longer uh, in warm-up, just kicking off his stand. And, uh, you know, he said he felt good from about 60, you know, with the wind at his back. And, you know, I kind of laughed and chuckled a little bit. But I did see him in the warm-up uh, kick it, and uh, he told me he was good from 53 going into the wind. 
So, you know, you got to trust your players. You know, they're out there kicking it. And I always go out with the kickers pregame and watch them kick and we talk about wind and, you know, things that we need to do, uh, you know, as far as kickoffs and, you know, punting into the wind and things of that nature. So uh, when the, you know, when the moment presented itself, you know, I looked him square in his eye and he said, I can make it. And uh, I said, all right, let's go field goal. Uh, and he went out there and drilled it. Yeah. Now, I remember you telling me or telling us, I think, back even before last year was supposed to have started that he was going to uh, transfer. He ultimately did not state with you what led to the decision for him to stay. And I, I know you guys are happy for it. Well, actually, he did transfer to uh, West Florida, which was a D2 school. And, uh, you know, he got down there and I kind of figured out the grass wasn't green on the other side. And, you know, we talked and, uh, you know, we both, you know, mutually when he did it, you know, he just felt like some spiritually – uh, that he had to do, and I told him, you know, uh, he had my, you know, my blessings, and you know, he went down, and then, you know, he called me and said he, you know, he made a mistake and he wanted to come back, and I said sure, <laughs> and uh, so we got him back in and got him back eligible and whatnot, and uh, that's where we are right now. Yeah, that's it's a great thing. I mean, the kid is an absolutely great kicker. Uh, so let's talk about Isaiah Grink transfers in uh, from Marshall. Just your thoughts on how he's played so far this year. Well, you know, he got got off rough a little bit, you know, uh, trying to force a few things in the first couple of games. You know, obviously the first game he hadn't had very many reps, but he did move us down the field to score, and uh, we, he moved us down in position to, you know, score, uh, you know, in the last, you know, two minutes of that game. So, uh, you know, I felt pretty good about him going into the second week, getting a week of practice, but, you know, he still, you know, missed a few. I mean, I, we missed – we overthrew, I think, two or three touchdown passes in the Jacksonville State game. And uh, and that's just getting comfortable with his receivers, getting some extra work after practice on different routes. And I think the more comfortable he gets, you know, the better off we'll be and uh, the better off he'll be. And I think right now he's settling in, you know, with the offense uh, and his receivers and hopefully, you know, it'll pay dividends this week. Only three games in. Who has surprised you in terms of the way they've played so far this season? Uh, you know, we, we knew that we had a good player in Cam White. Uh, he was another transfer kid in from uh, Lindsey Wilson, came from a lower division school, but a very talented kid. You know, uh, he's done a really good job for us. And then, you know, we got a freshman linebacker, Maude Nelson, uh, who uh, a true freshman, you know, normally coming in at the linebacker spot. That's not, you know, at the Mike linebacker, you really don't want to throw him in there. But he hadn't been a starter for us, but he's played really good when he's been in there. Uh, Chris Walker, another freshman defensive end uh, from Sanford, Florida, has done a good job for us. Uh, and uh, Davion Hawkins, uh, you know, he's a kid that transferred in from Kentucky. Uh, that's playing really well at the defensive tackle and DN spot. So, uh, and and Zaya Thornton, the true freshman wide receiver, has gave us some significant minutes and uh, doing a good job. And we all know that we knew that Devon Starlin, the kid that was right from here in Nashville, uh, he's Mr. Football here uh, in the state of Tennessee in his division. Uh, he, you know, walked on at Memphis, got down there, and wasn't getting a. Uh, minutes that he would like and you know he, he's come here and as a freshman uh, he's really lit it up for us and been a big spark for us on offense. Nick Harper Jr. how would you assess obviously the big name everybody knows him how's he playing so far? Well Nick's been a little sporadic but you know he's been solid out there you know but he does draw you know the best receiver uh, from every team every week you know we kind of match him up uh, with those guys so he's uh he's solid man Nick Nick is solid he's a good player uh, and we really lucky to have him on our team. And, and one kid I forgot was uh, Ken Andrews, 
you know, we had a kid, a couple of kids go down at the safety spot. And uh, he's a true freshman from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And uh, he started the last couple of games. And he's been, I think, the team leader in tackles uh, or second in tackles in both of those games. Rod Reed, again, the head football coach at Tennessee State, joins us here on the program. So you're on the road this week, uh, uh, sun, uh, Sunday, uh, against Murray State. Um, your thoughts on what the Erasers bring to the table? Well, they're a good football team. You know, they got a new coach in Dean Hood. He's not new to this conference. Uh, Dean's a good friend of mine. Uh, he was at East Kentucky and, uh, you know, went to Kentucky to be their special teams coordinator. And, uh, you know, they hired him back on over at uh, Murray State. And Dean is just – he's a class guy. You know, I, I know his M.O. They want to be a physical football team. You know, they're a downhill running football team. So, we've got to be a really physical team. We've got to, you know, fit our gaps and be able to stop the run and kind of make them one-dimensional. But with that being said, uh, you know, they got a really good quarterback and a couple of good receivers that they get the ball to. So, uh, we've got to be really on our, our game uh, come Sunday because uh, – you know, you go up to Murray State, it isn't the most favorable place to play. It's a one-sided stadium. Uh, it's really windy. So uh, it's going to be a challenge for us, but I think our kids will be up for it. Again, Rod Reed in his 11th season as the head football coach at Tennessee State. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Tigers on the road on Sunday taking on Murray State, trying to make it two in a row. Coach Reed, always appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Tigers. All right, thanks. Go Big Blue. Rod Reed, 11 seasons in as the head football coach at Tennessee State. And we'll see if Tennessee State can make it two straight against Murray State. You heard him say that it's a tough place to play, but obviously a winnable game for Tennessee State. Maybe there's gonna that, that win in the magnitude in which the Tigers won on last week will help to propel them, give them some momentum going up on the road against Murray State, still trying to stay in this OVC race. Your thoughts on anything that Rod Reed had to say? Want to particularly hear from my Tennessee State fans? What do you think the chances are for the Tigers against Murray State? The season to this point, what do you think? Hit me up via Twitter at Boxtorow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Our Boxtorow National Game of the Week is... The Jackson State and Alabama State football game. The game's going to be played in Montgomery, and so I'm going to have some thoughts on who I think is ultimately going to win that game. We mentioned Antonio Zita. Also, the other Boxtero National Player of the Week, Jalen Jones, the quarterback for Jackson State, 14 of 27, 250, three touchdowns, rushed for 42 yards, and another touchdown. Up next here on... From the press box to press row, A&T head women's basketball coach Terrell Robinson. This is your weekly edition of the Box to Row Blitz. I'm Donald Ware. First, I'm going to take you to Jackson, Mississippi for the rivalry game between Jackson State and Mississippi Valley State about midway through the first quarter with no score and Jackson State driving. JSU at the Valley 19. So Jalen Jones in the shotgun and he'll take off. Jalen inside the five. Jalen takes it in for the touchdown. Jones got Jackson State on the board first, and the Tigers led 7 to nothing. Dalen Baldwin caught back-to-back touchdown receptions from Jones, the second taking place 
with 9.55 remaining in the first half. But the duo wasn't finished. Third play of the drive for JSU. Started back at its 37. Jones rolls to his right. Looking, looking. Throws a man open inside the 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. That's Baldwin again. That was my man Rob J on the JSU Sports Network. The romp was on. Jackson State would defeat Mississippi Valley State 43-7. Go 3-0 now on the season and ranked number one in the HBCU media poll. For Jalen Jones, he was named the Box to Row National Player of the Week after his outstanding performance, completing 14 of 27 passes for 250 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. He also rushed for 42 yards and another touchdown. As a matter of fact, on the season, he's thrown eight touchdowns and no interceptions for the Tigers. Speaking of Box to Row National Player of the Week, Antonio Zetas, the kicker for Tennessee State, connected on three of four field goals, including a 62-yarder and a 35-yarder as time expired as it propelled the TSU Tigers over Eastern Illinois 21 to 20. Zeta also kicked a 62-yard field goal in the game. Head coach Rod Reed on the decision to kick the 62-yard field goal. You know, just watching them in the warm-ups, you know, it, it was a pretty uh, significant wind out there. And, uh, you know, I watched him kicking warm-ups, and he made a couple of those uh, actually a little longer uh, in warm-up, just kicking off the stand. And, uh, you know, he said he felt good from about 60, you know, with the wind at his back. And, you know, I kind of laughed and chuckled a little bit. But I did see him in the warm-up uh, kick it, and uh, he told me he was good from 53 going into the wind. So, you know, you got to trust your players. You know, they're out there kicking it. And I always go out with the kickers pregame and watch them kick. And we talk about wind and, you know, things that we need to do, uh, you know, as far as kickoffs and, you know, punting into the wind and things of that nature. So uh, when the – you know, when the moment presented itself, you know, I looked him square in his eye and he said, I can make it. And uh, I said, all right, let's go, field goal. Uh, and he went out there and drilled it. Reed will be our guest this weekend on From the Press Box to Press Row, taking a look at the Box to Row Week 5 scoreboard, Grambling State hosting Arkansas Pine Bluff. Alabama State is hosting Jackson State. Edward Waters on the road taking on Shorter. Texas Southern is hosting Southern Tennessee State is going to be on the road taking on Murray State. The Prairie View A&M and Alabama A&M game has been postponed due to COVID-19 protocols for Prairie View A&M. And as a matter of fact, the game next week, Prairie View A&M and Jackson State has also been postponed. On this weekend's edition of From the Press Box to Press Row, it's March Madness. We're going to catch up with North Carolina A&T head women's basketball coach Terrell Robinson. From the Press Box to Press Row, the radio show airs weekly on radio stations across the country, as well as Fridays on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, and Saturdays 9 a.m. Eastern, that's 6 a.m. Pacific Time, on Sirius XM Channel 142, to listen to the show or for more information, log on to BoxToRow.com. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're joined by a gentleman in his ninth season as the head women's basketball coach at North Carolina A&T. Under his 
tutelage. The Lady Aggies have won now three, count them, three MEAC tournament championships and a big win on last Saturday over Howard in dramatic fashion, 59-57 to 57 in Norfolk. The Lady Aggies going to take on North Carolina State, <clears throat> excuse me, on Sunday in San Antonio. Terrell Robinson, again, the head women's basketball coach at North Carolina A&T, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Robinson, congratulations and welcome back to the program. It's good to be back, man. Thank you. Absolutely, man. Another one. You get another one. You know, it's been a, it's been a season, obviously, like no other. You guys currently 14-2 and two on the season. Your thoughts, uh, not even on the championship per se, but but to this point, the season so far. For me, the, the appreciation goes to these young women and the sacrifices they made to kind of, you know, block out everything that's going on in this world and in this country um, to do something that they love. And then to not just do something they love, but to fulfill and meet goals that that they set, you know, for this season to, to win a regular season as the Southern Division champions in the MEAC and then to transition on to the tournament champions of the MEAC, you know, just checking boxes despite of testing three and four times a week, you know, protocols and curfew and, you know, their social life being taken from them because of, you know, what's going on in this great nation. I'm just extremely proud of them. Um, and glad that they're able to to experience, you know, even right now, sitting in my room to quarantine to get ready for a tournament. It's all worth it, and, and, and I'm sure they feel the same way. Yeah, a- absolutely. And I mean, I, I, I I'm I'm happy for you. You and I go back a long way. As a matter of fact, I got to tell this. So, so Coach Robinson Terrell was a player at A and T when I was in athletic administration there at North Carolina A&T and mm-hmm. uh, was very proud to have a sort of a front row seat for what you all were able to accomplish uh, this year. The game against Howard, uh, 59 to 57. Deja Winters has hit three pointers for you all season. None bigger than the one she hit to essentially seal the game for you last Saturday. Your thoughts, first of all, on the, the winning the tournament championship, the flow of the game, and then Deja's shot to win it. Ayanna Warren, the point guard for Howard, did a fantastic job of um, taking away what we like to do, and that's the disrupt the ball handler, the primary ball handler, force turnovers. You know, we average 70-plus points a game, um, and a lot of it comes off of transition, you know, from forcing teams to turn the ball over or take bad shots, and, and she did a heck of a job the entire game. Uh, neutralizing that, you know, and making it a half-court game. And then, you know, Coach Grace did a fantastic job of making us uncomfortable with their pressure and forcing us to get a lot of shot clock violation, not be able to get into our offense. Like, it was a it was a, it was was a, a chess match, you know. And um, in the end, <laughs> players make plays, man. Deja found a way, two gigantic threes, and obviously the one to, to cap off the game. That was just phenomenal. And, and, you know, you know, like I know, I've spoken to you several times in reference to Deja. And I'm going to reference this a lot, man. The UNCG game, the end of that game, down three, running a set four, time and being off, not getting a shot off. And her body language was, was very disturbing to me. Text her that following morning and just told her, look, if you're not, if I can't count on you. If you're going to, you know, give off body language like it's somebody else's fault that you didn't shoot an open shot or that you misread a read, then you're not the person that I need to be – running stuff for and Deja's like coach no 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 I like the idea that you have confidence in me 
and I promise you I'm going to be better moving forward. And you go from the first game to the last game where she's like, Coach Rob, be quiet, I got this, <laughs> and gets it done and sends us off to the to the uh, NCAAs and obviously ending our time, North Carolina Anti State University's time, as a member of the Mideastern Athletic Conference out with a bang and being the tournament champions. Terrell Robinson in his ninth season – as the head women's basketball coach at North Carolina A&T, he joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Ch- like, you know, Shannon Scott, I mean, I don't think it can be uh, overstated, the, the impact that she had on this program. Take us through, I, I want you to kind of tell how you ultimately, she's a transfer from Georgia Tech, so has had her battles. I know she's looking forward to Sunday's game against North Carolina State. Tell us how she mm-hmm. ended up at A&T. Um, we were, we were in conference play and and I feel like we was rolling. It was before Sequoia Foy, um, got hurt. Um, my assistant at the time reached, you know, um, last year, correct? Hey, yep. Last year Mm -hmm. and said, Hey coach, do you remember, um, Shannon Scott? You know, we recruited Shannon for, for a stint, um, out of, uh, out of Charlotte, um, we recruited her for a stand, and obviously, you know, she was a Power Five type kid. I think her offers were UT, Tennessee, Kentucky, you know, Georgia Tech. She committed to Kentucky, and then decommitted and ended up at uh, at Georgia Tech. So, you know, obviously, I was familiar with her parents. Um, we knew that they had played in the MEAC, um, were athletes in the MEAC at South Carolina State. So he says, "Hey, coach." Um, Shannon says she wants to come here and, and be, you know, join our master's program. I said, Shannon, who said Shannon Scott? I'm like, oh, okay. And I kind of blew it off. I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah, right. You know, and I continued on with, you know, just uh, my day-to-day stuff and, and planning for that week. And uh, maybe when we got back from our trip from uh, Maryland Eastern Shore, he says, hey, coach, the mom is, is starting to get a little upset with me, man. She's saying that her daughter wants to go here and we're blowing them off. I said, for real? She's like, yeah. He said, Shannon is waiting to talk to you. She's um, she's traveling with the team, but she's not playing. But, you know, she has her stuff with her. She's waiting to hear from me. So I called her. And uh, Shannon is just a remarkable person, man. She's easy to talk to. Um, she's respectful. She's, she's, uh, she's sweet, you know, and she's very mature. And we had a really good conversation. She talked about her goals, wanted to finish her master's. She talked about her internships with IBM. Talked about her ACL injury that she had uh, been uh, uh, rehabbing from. She tore ACL the following year in the spring. So she was out, and, and I, Georgia Tech had a you know a new coach, which coach of the year this year, Nell Fortner, uh, was the head coach there, uh, is the head coach there. And uh, Channing was like, you know, and I just, um, you know, I really want to, pursue my master's and I want to follow my parents footsteps and, and gain experience to play at a HBCU. And I would like to be closer to my, to my siblings. I said, okay, well, we'll let's set up a visit. You know, we know who you are. Um, obviously, you know, we have room for you. Um, you know, let's set up a visit and, and, and figure it out. And, um, and, you know, during that time, um, Shannon was being pursued by other schools. Um, and, uh, and they were from, power fives to mid majors from the east to west coast and uh she came up on her visit it was when we played um bethune cookman um i think we won uh, it was you know it's always a hard visit when you're when you're trying to plan for games and you know you have to uh 
you know, show a young lady a good time. So it wasn't a great visit, I'd say the least. And uh, Channing was thinking about not coming, and her mom told her, she said, look, this is where you need to be. I don't care what you feel. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stay focused on what we're trying to get out of this. This is where, you you know, you need to be. And if you notice, there's little that I've said in reference to basketball as far as her, her decision, you know, so – Shannon makes the decision. Obviously, we have a, a plan for her, uh, you know, where I told her her role would be different here than it was at Georgia Tech, where she was more of a role player, athlete, obviously defensive player, not really counted on as a scorer. And I told her that would be different here, and that would be a, a transition of kind of your mindset and mentality. And it was going to be hard because it was, you know, just a year. So um, but she was cool with it. Um, she uh, – Ended up, you know, ended up here after that. But it was more so her pursuing our program. I mean, we had a winning reputation, but it was more so the university and what she wanted to gain as far as her academics. Um, and everything that we're getting now is just because Shannon is the type of person that she's going to do exactly what she's supposed to do. She's going to be where she needs to be. And what she was able to gain here is now a feeling of her love for basketball because of her role and now she's loving getting in the gym. She's working out. You know, she's working on her shots. She's working on her ball handling. She's working on her footwork. She's figuring out the offense. And, you know, and then being the, fun, the dynamic athlete that she is, like she has just really elevated our program. 13.7 points per game, 8.7 rebounds. Doesn't even begin to tell the story. Terrell Robinson, the head women's basketball coach at A&T, joins us here on the program. Lastly, and we appreciate the time, so North Carolina State, up next, ranked number three in the country, ACC tournament champions. I mean, you've beaten some ACC teams over the years. You go back to Clemson a couple of years ago. You go back a couple of years ago, almost uh, uh, nationally ranked, I think, number 14 in the country. Miami team had them on the ropes. Your thoughts on mm-hmm. the challenges that North Carolina State present? Um, well, I mean, they're a well-rounded team. They're an experienced team. Um, and, you know, every position is, is capable of having – um, a big night. They're a very in tune team where they play off of one another. They play for one another. Um, they have inside outside. They have a, a, a Naismith finalist and uh, Alyssa Coolahan. And I, I apologize if I pronounce her name wrong. She's out of Greensboro at Northern Guilford. You know, I, we actually recruited her and I offered her as a uh, eighth or ninth grader. I can't remember, but um, but she's become a dominant force at NC State, and they have a whole lot of other pieces. Um, and I'm excited about the opportunity because we played them last year uh, to open up the season, and they beat us 80 to 44. But I didn't really feel like uh, we were as good offensively then as we are now. I thought we did a good job defensively. Um, you know, we did a good job of turning them over and, and forcing them to take tough shots. We get three and four stops, but we would not be able to score because they were able to scout. You know, scout us in terms of playing off certain people um, that couldn't score to take away the people that could score. This year, I think we have balance. You know, I think we have enough people in the game that can impact offensively where they won't be able to do that. So, and then we we like to play fast. Um, We're going to try to speed them up. We're going to try to defend like we've done all season and let our defense create our offense. And um, and then in the half court, you know, people like Deja Winters, Jayla Jones, Pack. Obviously, Chan and Scott, you know, are going to have a chance to really, really leave their mark. You know, um, I am uh, trying something a little different with uh, Jasmine Walton. I think um, going to 
let her be our primary ball handler and put Sean Kelly Darks um, on the wing and let her do her thing as an offensive scorer. Um, what I noticed in the tournament is that um, it got a little overwhelming for SK. You know, teams were going different schemes and her being a freshman. Uh, you know, she has an impact at offensively the way that I know she can. Um, and Jasmine leads us in assists, leads us in assists, turnover is very heady, you know, and plus is a really good defender. So I'm going to just trade them off, and, and hopefully I look like a genius when the game's all done. <laughs> Terrell Robinson, a gate in his ninth season as the head women's basketball coach at North Carolina A&T, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row, the Lady Aggies MEAC Tournament Champions, going to face North Carolina State on Sunday, the ACC Tournament Champions in the NCAA Tournament, San Antonio, Texas. Coach Robinson, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Lady Aggies. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. This a and team is really, really good. It had a chance to call a couple of games this year, some home games, some games on the road at Norfolk State, at South Carolina State, at UNCG, and it's a really, really good team. And Shannon Scott is really, really good, but those freshmen are good as well. I mean, it's definitely going to be an uphill battle against North Carolina State, the number three team ACC tournament champions. But, again, A&T has had success against big-time programs in the past, and uh, so you know the Ag- Lady Ag is going to come to play against the Wolfpack. Still to come here on from the press box to press room, my thoughts on Jackson State and Alabama State up next. Jackson State head women's basketball coach Tamikia Reed. On last week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. With Mark Zetta, Frazier, junior gymnast at UCLA. Like, what's that like receiving a call from Janet Jackson? Definitely so concerned myself. I can't think of how many times people have really met their legitimate heroes and icons in life. The fact that I met her and she spoke to me in a way that was so endearing and personal and saying that not only... Do I inspire her, but I brought her to tears. It only felt like a storybook to me. From the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Join Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box to Press Row. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Jackson State Lady Tigers are the SWAC Tournament Champions. And as a matter of fact, on Sunday, going to be in the NCAA Tournament taking on Baylor. Tamika Reed is the head women's basketball coach at Jackson State in her third season. Joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Reed, congratulations and welcome to the program. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Glad to have you. I just want to kind of get your thoughts. Your team is 18-5, and five, uh, and, and, and you're just rolling right now. Uh, your thoughts, first of all, on winning the SWAC Tournament Championship. You know, I'm just too excited. I'm excited for, you know, our program. Um, I'm certainly thankful for our players, you know, for them being able to have this amazing experience. Um, I'm thankful for my staff and all the hard work they put in this season uh, for the opportunity to win the SWAC Tournament Championship. 
Um, you know, it's been a hard road. We've been facing a lot of challenges uh, with the pandemic, with the snowstorm that we had in Mississippi. We've, just, we've been through a lot. And I'm just so proud of our players for being resilient and bouncing back and staying together and, and never falling apart. Um, this was truly a big moment for our university, something that we've been trying to accomplish now for over three years uh, with me as the head coach. And I'm just finally thankful to have this group to push us over the top to be the SWAC tournament champions. 16 straight victories uh, currently on the season. Take us through that SWAC championship game. You win that game 67-66. to The SWAC was extremely tough this year. You win it by one point. A couple of free throws down the stretch proved to be the difference for the Lady Tigers. Yeah, you know, we came out first half and, you know, we clawed because our best player got in foul trouble. Um, and then our second, you know, important player got in foul trouble. So we had to play players that hadn't really played all year. But that just shows signs of a really good disciplined team that you can come in and hold it down. We went in at the half up 15 points, but I knew – Alabama State was going to come out second half and play a really tough game. Um, the officials, you know, start favoring them a little bit more that quarter. Um, the game got a little bit more tougher and more physical that half. And I, the second half, and I, I knew we had to fight. Um, Alabama State picked up the pressure on us, and I, I had to tell my players every time out, you're okay, we're still in the lead, we will win this game. And so when Alabama State shot the three-pointer and made it and tied the game up, our players came into the huddle, and they never walked away defeated. They walked away with a tremendous amount of confidence. They sat in the huddle, and they said, hey, coach, we are in the bonus. We're going to get downhill. We're going to get to the basket. We're going to make them foul us, and we're going to win this thing from the free throw line. And sure enough, we got in the game. We put it in our best player hands. She missed the shot, and, the, and our other post player grabbed the rebound and got fouled. Well, Sherelle Jones is Sherelle Jones is not a um, a very very good free throw shooter. She hadn't she hadn't shot it well from the free throw line this year, but she stepped up and knocked them down. And we we had complete confidence in her. She looked at me. She said she was great. She said she was okay. She had been shooting them well all that game, and for her to knock those shots down, it, it was just really good for us. But Alabama State came back and got a really good shot at the rim. I mean, they got off really two really good shots that had me extremely nervous. And so um, I was just proud that our girls played strong down that stretch and didn't foul. So they did. They 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 were really they were really phenomenal down the stretch for us. And this is this is becoming like a really strong rivalry, right? Like this year, you guys played three games, and there's a total of five points that separated. Alabama State and Jackson State, they beat you by two. As a matter of fact, that was your last loss before this winning streak. During the streak, you beat them by two. Then you beat them by one in the SWAC tournament championship game. Yeah, it, it's, it's been – Alabama State plays extremely physical. And it's it's crazy because, you know, you talk to the officials and you, you, you try to meet with them before the game even happens and just ask them, hey – this, this allowed this to be a clean, solid game. And um, Alabama State, you know, played us extremely physical. So I told our players, hey, we got to play as tough with them, you know, and I think that's what caused us so many problems. Our girls 
are getting hammered and they get frustrated by it, you know, instead of playing through it. And so that's what we had to get our girls prepared for, just play through the physicality of this game. Be tough right along with them, and you're going to be okay. And so that's what we had to do ultimately. Alabama State is a great up-and-down-the-floor team. They have a very quick tempo. And so we had to flip it on them. We had to slow them down and make them play our style of basketball. And that's what our girls did down the stretch. And so they knew they had something to protect when we played them that second game. We had to protect our home court that we hadn't lost on in two years. We had to protect each other, and we had to protect our title. We were regular season champions last season, and, you know, they wanted it again this season. They knew Alabama State stood in the way of that. Tamika Reed, in her third season as the head women's basketball coach at Jackson State, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Lady Tigers SWAC tournament champions going to take on Baylor on Sunday in the NCAA tournament. Can you speak to you, – you started the season out 0-3, but some tough games. Um, how did sort of the preseason – which, by the way, you beat a Nickel State team also out of conference. How did that, the out of conference season, help to prepare you for SWAC play? I really thought we played well in our preseason. And what people don't understand, I mean, we lost to Mississippi State by 20 points, but we, we didn't have any post presence. My big player, Amisha Williams, got an early foul trouble. If she stay in the game, if she play a little bit tougher and a little bit better for us, that was that would have been a different outcome in that game versus Mississippi State earlier. Same situation with Ole Miss. We didn't have an inside presence. Our guards played phenomenal. We had two guards that scored 20-plus points, but we didn't have an inside presence. So right now, you know, I think our preseason schedule has prepared us for a, good, a very good Baylor's team. Baylor post players are extremely good. Uh, their guards are, are really strong as well. But we're going to have to slow them down, and, you know, we're going to have to be extremely strategic with our approach with Baylor. Um, but I think if we can do those things, I think we can, we'll can. we be competitive right there with a really good Baylor, Baylor team. Uh, let's talk personnel. I mean, you've got some really good players. So I, I think Misha Williams sort of has an interesting story, right? Like she's, you know, one of your, your – she's not even your leading scorer, but, wow, I mean, she leads in block shots. She's a really good player. You know, talk about her. I mean, she's got a really great story. Yeah, Amisha's phenomenal. You know, she has a two-year-old son that we all love dearly. Um, and, you know, on top of being a mom, she's a great student, and she's a even greater athlete. Um, Amisha's just naturally talented. Uh, transferring in from Mississippi State, she played on a, a team that competed for a national championship. So she has that winner, winner's mentality inside of her. Um, her presence brings a lot of comfort to our team. Her experience brings a lot of comfort to our team. And so when we have her going in the right direction, blocking shots, protecting the rim, rebounding the ball, finishing, you know, the putbacks around the basket, when we can get that presence from her, you know, the team plays extremely well. Um, And it helps create an opening for our Deja Rogan, who led the conference in scoring. Uh, but Amisha's a she's very key for our program, and you know we're we're really trying to get her mentally prepared for this game versus Baylor because she's going to be the difference. Yeah, she's played on she's played on this level Baylor uh, type of teams playing 
um, for Mississippi State. And I, I, I read, but but tell how how you were able to uh, get her uh, to ultimately come to Jackson State. Well, I was coaching basketball at Hines Community College, and I was recruiting Amisha out of high school. They had this thing where she might have not made it academically and she was going to possibly have to go to a junior college. Well, I had connected with Big Schaefer at Mississippi State at the time and Johnny Harris that was at Mississippi State, and I had given them my spiel. And I said, if you guys can't get her in um, because of academics, please consider placing her with us here at Hines Community College. So I had already established that relationship with her early. Um, when she got to Mississippi State, some things didn't quite go well. She took, you know, wanted to go home and take a break. I text Amisha every day for almost three months. I kid you not. Um, and I and all my text messages said was, hey, how are you? And, you know, I hope you're doing well. I was always texting her every day. And so finally, you know, I, I actually called a grandmother. Grandmother told me she hadn't talked to Amisha. You know, they were worried about her. And Amisha's a very family-oriented type of player. So I knew something was going wrong. So this one particular day, I texted Amisha while I was at Hines Community College, and I said, hey, Amisha, I've been texting you every day now for three months. Could you please just say something to let me know you're doing okay? And she texted back, and she said, hey, Coach, I'm fine. And then maybe two months after that, I got the job at Jackson State. I, I texted her back and said, hey, come play for me at Jackson State. She said, Coach Reed, I don't like to run. I don't want to do nothing. I don't want to play basketball. And I texted her back, and I said, well, you don't have to run. Just come get in school, and we'll figure the rest out. And, you know, and, and that's when she told me maybe two days later that she was pregnant. And I told her, you know what, Amisha, I don't care. I want to help you get your degree. I said, let's not even think about basketball. Let me help you finish school. She came in her first year while she was pregnant. She attended classes, went home, had her child, and told me she was ready to play basketball again. Tamika Reed, again in his third season as the head women's basketball coach at Jackson State, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Lady Tigers are going to take on Baylor on Sunday in San Antonio. Coach Reed, once again, congratulations. Good luck to you and the Lady Tigers. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Go Tigers. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Tamika Reed, Terrell Robinson also, joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. For more information, great content on HBCU football and other stuff, log on to our website, boxtorow.com. I am picking Alabama State to beat Jackson State on Saturday. If you want to know why, go to our website, boxtorow.com, and check out our HBCU football daily podcast. It was a good day on Thursday for HBCUs in basketball, although Stillman lost to St. Francis on Thursday. They made a deep run into NAIA tournament, falling 69-67. to But Texas Southern defeated Mount St. Mary's 60-52. to The Tigers are going to play Michigan on Saturday. Meanwhile, Norfolk State held on to defeat Appalachian State 54-53. to The Spartans are going to face Gonzaga also on Saturday. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications. Yeah, uh-uh. 
Loving you is like a song I replay every three minutes and 30 seconds of every day. Uh, and every chorus uh, was written for us to recite. Right. Every beautiful melody of devotion every, every night. night. This potion might, uh, this ocean might uh, carry me. Uh,